Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast. The First Draft Podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Field Yates. Keeping tabs on the latest in the NFL draft every Wednesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, going to give you an angle on the Lamar Jackson situation you may not have thought of. Also, your stories about that time your kid tried to buck up to you. But first... All right, so I actually ideally would love to come in here today and talk to you guys by how fascinated I am by the way that the NBA could shake out in these next couple weeks and going into the playoffs. And in fact, now that I think about it, I will do a little bit of that, right? Like I was looking at the West standings before we got in here to record this. Do you realize that as of this moment, we might get Phoenix and Golden State in the first round? Like, that would be the 4-5 matchup in the West if it started right now, is you would get Phoenix and Golden State. That, ladies and gentlemen, is bananas. Uh, You got a play-in that could possibly have the Mavericks, the Clippers, the Pelicans, and the Lakers. That could be the play-in, which, hey, ain't none of them going to win a championship in all likelihood, but you ain't going to tell me that's not going to be exciting. And, and, and on top of that, there's a distinct possibility, the most surprising thing, it is entirely possible that the number two seed in the West will be a team that you have not watched on television, not one time in the last 15 fucking years, the Sacramento Kings. Y'all been talking about that light to beam, and I'm going to be honest. I don't know if any of y'all ever saw the Harold and Kumar Christmas movie, but I went to go see that one time, and I got myself in, shall we say, a Harold and Kumar mind state, only to get there and find out that movie was really about cocaine. And I don't know nothing about that, right? Like I was like, oh, wow, we just make jokes about cocaine. Who knew? When I saw that light the beam thing coming up, I'm like, oh, so y'all just talking about The Rock? <laughs> like, that's, 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 that's it. That's it. We talk about all oh, that. I was like, oh, not beam. Like, oh, they're like, what the, what the hell is light the beam? And they're like, oh, they say that in Sacramento. I'm like, how do y'all know that? Y'all be staying up till midnight to watch the Kings? Damn, I had no idea. Like, I admit, my dedication to the NBA is not that strong. There's always a team or two that I get to know in the playoffs. Anyway, look like Sacramento might be the number two seed. And the reason that it looked like Sacramento might be the number two seed is the number two seed currently is Memphis. And uh, I don't think they're going to be the number two seed for long, dog. And even if they are, that's great news for whoever gets to be the number seven seed. Okay. So I feel like we got a few things going on here at once. Um, one of them, I believe it was, uh, Dylan Brooks who, oh, that guy, 
Anyway, uh, he got suspended because he done racked up too many technical fouls. And that's a thing for them, at least as far as it goes into regular season, because that dude ain't got no self-control, right? And if he ain't got no self-control, this is just going to keep coming up with him on top of all the fouls and everything else. Saw they had somebody else get hurt. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. Tried to go find it. But then, of course, we know the deal, man. It's John Morant. Uh, Brandon Clark tore his Achilles. Brandon Clark. There we go. It was Brandon Clark. I thought it was Desmond Bain, and I looked up Desmond Bain, and it wasn't him. And I was like, okay, I just can't throw no other name out there. Okay, cool. All right, so down Brandon Clark. And I. this is a guess. I don't think John Morant plays again this season. And I don't think that that is an especially hot take. Um, if you didn't see it, uh, John Morant, for reasons that I am just simply unable to understand, got on um, Instagram Live and was at a strip club and was taking video of himself for Instagram Live. And he had a pistol. And, all right, there's levels to this, right? I was not, like, wildly offended by this. Oh, my gosh, he's a danger to society. No, 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 no. We'll get more into this part in a second, but if you've heard me talk about John Morant, I view this through the lens of he is currently a danger to himself, right? Like, I don't think John Morant about to walk in somewhere and start spraying fools. No, I think he's cruising for bruising. And can mess around and get himself smoked. Like, I, I need you guys to stop and think about this. And now, Parker, you are a younger fella. And so you keep up with all these young rappers that I've never heard of, unfortunately, until they get killed. Right? What's been happening to these boys trying to floss and flex down there in L.A.? Yeah, there's been so many incidents. You got PNB Rock last year. The list keeps on growing. Yeah, it's, people finding Pop Smoke's address on something yeah. on IG Live and they're running up in his crib. Mm-hmm. And so John Morant is in, in this video in this strip club with his big old chain on and no shirt for that's what they do. Like, I, I don't, I don't, you completely misunderstood what the deal is. Like, when you go to McDonald's, do you go back there and flip your own burger? Like, I just don't, I, I, I just, I just don't, you boys, you boys don't make no sense to me. But anyway, you down there flossing down there in L.A. and they know you're going to be there for a couple of days and you've been out here trying to act gangsta wild with it for everybody to see. I'm worried about him. I don't worry about what he's going to do to nobody else. I worry about what somebody's going to do to him. That's been my start to finish concern when I seen this stuff with John Morant. And I feel like his story is one where this is one of those diversity in the media matters sort of situations, right? Because I do remember when all this stuff was going down with Allen Iverson, obviously. But I was of the age, and Iverson represented something so much bigger than just him that it was impossible to view criticism of Allen Iverson for whatever it was that he was doing at the time. It always felt like a criticism of us, a great big old lust, a criticism of how we wanted to dress and all those sorts of things, right? Like that's what it felt like with Iverson. And people went through the roof about it. Like, that was the thing. Like, he was really viewed as a threat to everything that people found familiar. Now, I guess part of it with Ja is that since there has already been an Allen Iverson, that 
we're not freaking out about this like we did at previous points. But I also think a big thing about it, part of it is having a lot of players in the media, but also another part of it is just having black people in the media is I think a lot of us or most of us are viewing Jive through a different lens than we would have maybe even 15 years ago. And it is a matter of looking at him honestly with sadness, right? Like I'm 42 years old now. I'm at that point where I can look at a 23-year-old and be like, hey, man, you good? You know, like, like I can look at that and be like, there's, there's something here that just doesn't add up, that doesn't check out. And you can look around and you can see that the people around him are in no position to do anything to change stuff. And I know that people look at it like, man, you got to change the people around you. But if you saw Jalen Rose on Countdown on Saturday, Please find that if you haven't seen it. It was really, really poignant, I thought, what he said as he laid out what some of the dynamics are of these young guys. And one of them he pointed out that I really hadn't thought about is, I think we all understand the idea that once these guys get the money, they become the breadwinner for all these other people. But he put it in terms that I really hadn't thought about, which was this also means you now become the leader of your family. Like there's one guy in the NBA that I know of where somebody makes the point that his daddy's still alive, but he sit at the head of the table. Because that's the role that you wind up taking in your family. And so if Ja decides that he wants to kick it like this, these cats around him can't do nothing about it. Right? You know, so we talked about this um, on Friday on the pod where people talk about, you know, the man, the people around him are doing you wrong. Let me tell you something, man. Let's say you got a squad of four knuckleheads. That means it's four mamas who think they boy need to stop hanging around with these knuckleheads. You know what I mean? Whenever it's you need to stop hanging out with these people, the word that's used is you, right? It's if you have an attachment to this one person, your inclination is to blame everybody else when maybe they all the problem. Who's to say, right? But either way it goes. It don't really matter which one of them is the problem. They're going to do what Josh says. He the one that got all the money. If I had to guess, he the one that's paying the bills on these people, right? Because the truth is, it's hard to hold down a job and kick it with your NBA homie on an NBA schedule. Like, if they got lives and jobs, they can't come to every game. That ain't how that works, right? So, Josh the dude that's in charge of this whole situation, man. He's 23 years old. That's a lot to it. Another thing I thought about, especially with a dude like him in a city like Memphis, right? Okay. I say this is somebody who like came into some money, but I came into it in my 30s and obviously not nearly the same amount of money as this cat has, but it still calls up the same situation. Who are you supposed to hang out with? Right? Like, who are the people that are able to do the things that you can do that are living the life that you can live? For a dude like Ja Morant, it's a bunch of people who aren't his age. It's a lot of people who's older than him. Um, and a lot of us have also made the argument, I mean, I've certainly made this, you know, you need some old head on the team to give him some guidance. But I think you guys may remember we had Vernon Maxwell on the show about a year ago. And 
Vern was talking about kicking it with Allen Iverson. Now, of course, I don't, I mean, I don't know if Vernon was going to be a positive influence necessarily, but he said he riding around with Iverson, but he looking at Iverson like, this dude got so much more money than I have. What am I going to tell him? What can I say to him? Like, who is the person that can say something to John Morant at this point? But what I was going to say about him, like kicking around Memphis and being young, the spots he want to go to, who in there? Right? The places that he want to go, who the dude that run the club? Who's the guy that gets all the attention? Right? Who's the guy in Memphis that got the section at the places John Morant wants to go to? It ain't no movie stars. I bet you it's a bunch of cats that kick it in the way that he say he want to kick it. Because in the end, this dude want to be cool. Like, you got to remember, man. Most of these dudes in the league are identified as stars so early that that money gets around them and that money, that money trying to get all them people out that might mess up the program. Like, we had this era 25 years ago where these dudes are showing up with all the cats from the crib and everything else, right? Like, those of us who lived it, we remember it ain't like that no more, right? Uh, Bill Roden in the $40 million Slaves talks about it because of the conveyor belt, like the process of producing this commodity of a player. And there's some problematic things that come along with it. But part of what does happen is they get a hold of these dudes earlier, they get them away from the crib earlier, and they whittling these dudes away. John Morant, after his freshman year, literally in college, freshman year of college, literally one person saw it. It was a dude named Jackson Hoy. I looked him up. He was the only person who saw it. And the way you know he the only person who saw it, that dude worked for the Grizzlies now. Right? Like, you go look for who was checking for John Morant before that season started. It was one person in the world. Okay? I bring that up to say, all them cats that's coming around, that's the money, that normally can make these decisions to help you stop messing up the money, they all knew. They way too knew. And none of them are going to be able to have enough like engender enough loyalty to be heard for you to listen to them, right? It's clear from some of those allegations. Josh's parents ain't got no vote in this, okay? This is all on him. But I think, and for his own sake, the coverage of this has largely been in a place, I wouldn't necessarily say of understanding, but it's been of concern. So when this first happened and the Grizzlies announced um, that he was going to sit down for two games. My thing was, they're not calling that a suspension. Right? But if they're not calling it a suspension, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be longer than two games. That was my initial read on it, if they're not calling it a suspension. And I wasn't concerned with he needs to be punished. Not to say that punishment probably isn't a good idea, Right? Like there has to be some establishment of boundaries or whatever. So I get that. But I'm not thinking about this from we got to teach you a lesson as much as you got to learn some things. Like there's some things that's got to be figured out. And so um, the Grizzlies put out a statement or job through Nike put out a statement. And I want to get the exact wording on the statement so you can understand why it is that. I don't think he's going to play again um, this season. And it's because they put 
in the statement, it was put in the context of stress. Like, listen to this. I'm sorry to my family, teammates, coaches, fans, partners, the city of Memphis, and the entire organization for letting you down. I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. Okay, stop right there. What in the world are you talking about? And I'm not saying that skeptically. I'm saying that curiously. I'm saying that that statement indicates that he and someone around him sees a larger issue at play here. Like the statement wasn't, yo, I can't be out here playing with guns. It was, I'm not dealing well with things and I need to get right. That was without using the explicit terms an appeal to concern for mental health. And if that's the case, I don't think he does play the rest of the season, nor honestly do I think he should. Like, what you, what you going to do? Think about it for a couple days? Come back around? What, take a week? Come back around? Is that how it's going to work? You know what I mean? Like, like, really stop and think about that for a second. That if this is really a I need to, I need to get myself right sort of situation, that takes a while. You know, like I need to figure out how to deal with stress better. That takes a while. Because guess what? It's about to be the playoffs. If you're not dealing with stress well right now in March, what are you going to do in May? And again, I'm not saying that at all judgmentally. I'm just saying that sounds like somebody who probably need to fall farther back than a couple of games. And Taylor Jenkins said that with Jai, it's indefinite. Right, that they're not sure when it is that he's gonna be back. Look, man, y'all ain't winning no championship this year. Like I can say that very confidently about the Grizzlies. You're not gonna win a championship this year. If you're if you're that team, I think the only thing there is for you right now is to completely reset your relationship with your star player and help your star player reset where he is in his life and in his career. Because from all the people that I talk to with any familiarity. The Grizzlies don't want to check him neither. And see, I find that to be weird because you basically have control over him for seven years. Like, he can't really demand nothing. He ain't got no flex in this situation, right? But those small market teams in particular are always afraid that these cats are going to want to bail. Like, they're always afraid that they're going to want to leave. But none of that matters if he self-destructs. Like None of it does. And so all of them, I think, are going to have to get together and just make sure that this dude can take care of himself. Because, I mean, dude, when the streets know you got money and you walk around showing people your gun, they're going to test you. And let me tell you what the streets understands. You ain't about to shoot nobody. Like, look, maybe you will, but nobody believes it. There ain't not one person that's watched John Morant and heard them stories about him with a gun and been like, yo, you got to watch out. He might shoot you. You know, and maybe he will. But I'm going to tell you this. I understand you young boys like to flex on the internet, right? And there is also an element of this story that is the need for attention. Because, I mean, why did you need to be on IG Live in that moment? It's just so people can look at you, which is, which is his own thing, right? But 
I understand you boys want to flex. And it's so wild. Because when people want to flex, like with their jewelry, you got the biggest chain. You got the shiniest chain. You got the blingingest chain. You got the chain with the most diamonds. You know what I'm saying? All your jewelry is outsized. John Morant there with that big old chain on. And was that a 22? That looked like a 22. I don't even know if you can properly pistol whip somebody with a 22. It was a 22. Son, you are from the country. You know nobody's impressed by a 22. What are you doing? What are you doing? And I kept seeing all these people, though, after this happened, and people in my mentions like, yo, Jai out here messing up the bag. You worried about his money? He out here rolling around Memphis showing people his peace? And you worried about his money? Like, everything is so backwards, I thought, in the way that so many people looked at this where the first and foremost concern to me, it ain't this dude's money. It ain't where this team is going to be in the standings. It's that dude right there that people who have some experience in life recognize is setting himself up to be killed. And I know that some of you who are younger think I'm being dramatic. I promise you I'm not. Like, people who've been around a couple times, we've seen stuff like this. We've seen cats like this. We've seen how this goes. We've seen the places that it takes you. We've seen the directions that it gets you in. And none of them are good none of them are good and so i wish that young man the best like sincerely that's where i come from in every place and it was so good to see Jalen say that because that's where i think he's coming from i think that just about everybody really who's watching this and observing this by and large the outrage machine has not popped up even the people that are wagging their fingers it's because it's like damn are you serious you know what I mean? Like, like that's that's kind of where it is. But he need to watch out because, and I think this is an important distinction between, say, Allen Iverson and, like, the Allen Iverson blueprint, which is Tupac. Tupac has something in him that made you want the best for him. Like, me and my man Clarence were talking about this with Tupac a long time ago. He said the thing about Tupac was Tupac had this quality that made your grandmama love him. Right? And so... While there was obvious finger wagging that was well earned with him, there was this thing about him and why he was such, he's been such an enduring figure that you saw what else was there and people wanted to see it come out. And you just saw people saw this dude fighting through all this confusion, right? Trying to find his place and everything else. And it like elicited a sort of all poor baby sort of situation from people. Alan Iverson had a very similar quality to him also. Part of it with all the stuff that went down from jail and people knowing his story and everything else. It made people want to root for him, right? It made people, even when he was making all these mistakes and everything else, he had such an endearing quality to him for the people who love like, and, and a unique magnetic charisma. John Morant doesn't have those things. And look, there's no insult to be like, you ain't Tupac, right? There's no insult to say, you ain't Allen Iverson. But I'm just saying, it ain't going to be people rooting for him nearly as long to get his situation right. Like, I'll give you another example of somebody who does this that's less, like, who brings that out of people that's less famous. And that's Josh Gordon. 
we did a couple of interviews with Josh Gordon on Highly Questionable, and I wanted everything good to happen to him, right? Like, you could see it. Like, he could never get it right for whatever reason, but he has had a quality about him where you just wanted him to stop fucking up. And it wasn't like, see, that boy ain't never going to get right. You know what I mean? But it's like you just, there was something in him that made you root for him to get it right. And it was right there. I don't know if y'all bring that out of people. Which means if you don't get this right, it's just going to turn into score, no matter how good you are, you know? So I root for him, and I hope he takes all the time he needs. But the last thing that matters for the Grizzlies is this basketball season. Oh, that's over already. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so we coming up on that day when the Ravens are going to put the franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. Now, I recognize there really ain't a lot new to say about the Lamar Jackson situation. Either they're going to trade him or they're not. We talked up and down about the contract situation and da-da-da and all the questions about how good he is or he isn't, da-da-da, everything else. Okay, we've done this. Got it. I just kind of sort of want to give you a different perspective slash vantage through which to look at this situation because I say this as somebody who wishes that Lamar could understand just because somebody was dumb enough to give Deshaun Watson that contract doesn't mean they're going to do it for you. Like this, I, I, I fully understand why he believes that should be the case, right? But that ain't, that ain't where this goes. This is not going to end with you getting a fully guaranteed contract, but it should definitely end with him getting more than what has been reported that he was offered $133 million guaranteed, which is far below Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, neither of whom is as good as Lamar Jackson is. Um, now, also, it should be noted that Stephen A. Smith got on first take and said that Lamar's people told him that they had never asked for a fully guaranteed contract. Okay, whatever. I don't have the answer there. But I want to read you something. 
This is from the NFLPA's report card where they did a survey of players and they did a report card on basically all the different organizations. And this is what they said about the Ravens. And now we all think of the Ravens as being this really well-run operation, right? The Ravens finished 17th out of 32 teams, dead in the middle. And here's what they say. The Ravens come in 17th ranked overall in our team guide. The main areas of concern stemming from player respondents' opinions are a desire to improve the quality of the food, weight room equipment, recovery resources, and strength staff. At the core of these issues is the team's former head strength coach, Steve Saunders, with whom they recently parted ways. Assessment of him by player respondents was markedly negative. Only 38% of player respondents felt they received an individualized plan for their strength training, and many complained that the training room is understaffed. The players do believe in Ravens owner Steve Visotti's commitment to high quality as 100% of them believe he is willing to invest in upgrades to the facility. Okay, I want you to think about that in the context of the fact that we did a lot of talking about Lamar Jackson and how hurt he was or wasn't through the rest of the season. We also saw a lot of guys from the Ravens sending tweets over the last few days talking about that training staff and them feeling like all this stuff is being blamed on the players when a lot of this is organizational. Now, while we think of the Ravens as being this fantastically run organization, there has been something significant that has changed about the Ravens in the last handful of years, and as Ozzie Newsom is not the general manager anymore. Now, I don't know with the training staff and all that how much of that stuff went back to him, but I'm saying it is possible that they have ridden so long on this we're a well-run organization that we just assume it, and then you look up and the players are telling you, no, nah, it ain't necessarily what you think. So if you're Lamar Jackson, and you play the way you play, right? And you suffer the injury that you did last season. And you believe the team has not had an adequate training staff. And your teammates believe that the training staff has not been adequate. Oh, you damn well gonna want your contract to be as guaranteed as possible. Because something you gotta remember, no matter what the money is that he might get on the upfront or however it goes, when you operate in these positions, in these fields where there ain't that many of those jobs, every person for whom you work, you are literally putting your career into those people's hands. Right? So every time I've signed a contract to do television in particular. The biggest factor for me has been, I am putting my career in these people's hands. Because that's really what you're doing. The problem is, in many cases, the people whose hands you're putting your career into don't really think of it like that. Right? They got their day-to-day. They got the stuff that they trying to get done. They not worried about where you go in the future with this. But for you, your career is in their hands. Like, i give you an example. The television show I'm doing right now. If this doesn't go well, you think it's about to be a whole bunch of people lining up to give me another TV show? Like, really? You know what I mean? They look at it as, hey, you just had a TV show. That didn't do whatever. 
We go find somebody else that's probably younger and cheaper, right? That's the way that goes. My career is in their hands. Like, I got to put this in with people who are going to do the best by me because this is my chance. They probably get another chance to go find somebody else, right? This is my chance. All the people that work under you can use working on your show on their resume to go get another job in a way that you can't use your own show to go get another job. And that's the thing with a cat like Lamar Jackson, right? If I got to put my career in these people's hands and they training staff ain't on hit, oh, y'all better pay me because I need that extra level of insurance if that's what this is, you know? And something to keep in mind when you start seeing things and disagreements or whatever with NFL teams and players, I think we all generally have an assumption because the NFL makes so much money and it's such a big deal that they're all first-class operations. And they are not. They are not. Like, you start talking to people about, like, free agency. It's the teams that don't, like, mess up your flight reservations. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I'll, like, it's those kinds of things. Like, the little stuff that goes on around the office. Those things matter. And so, with Lamar, the franchise tag is coming. It's still very difficult for me to believe that he's not going to play for the Ravens. But I think important context here is he's a dude that's hurt and they don't do well by hurt people. That will increase the tension around your team, I would imagine. But see, this is that Lamar don't have an agent thing, right? If Lamar had a team they could get that side out there. But he doesn't have a team in the same way that has the relationships with the people who take the phone calls and run and tell. They don't have that. And so this narrative could come around about, well, we think Lamar could play. If the, you know, if the contract was da-da-da and everything else, we think he could get out there, da-da-da. But your people ain't out there to put that back. You know? That's worth 3%, man. That's worth 3%. So we're going to see how it ends. But uh, if the Ravens got a bad training staff, psh, that dude ain't got to explain nothing else to me. And I can't believe he'd ever have to explain anything else to you either. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. All right, this first story is from social media. Hi, this is Feeling Time. I'm a business news reporter at Insider. Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced last Monday that the company is creating a new top-level product team to focus on generative AI. This is artificial intelligence that can create content like the viral chatbot, Chat GPT. This makes Meta the latest big tech company to announce a major push into generative AI. Zuckerberg said Meta is exploring AI experiences in WhatsApp, Messenger, and Instagram. Now, even before this, Meta already had teams working on generative AI, but its announcement of this A team now comes after the company lost almost $14 billion last year in its strategic pursuit of the metaverse. 
This push into the metaverse was announced in 2021 during the tech boom when the company changed its name from Facebook to Meta. But times have changed. The tech sector is now facing a downturn and companies are conducting massive layoffs. Meta too has laid off 11,000 employees and saw its share price tank over 60% in just one year in 2022. The company has promised investors that 2023 is going to be a year of efficiency. Meta's Reality Labs division, which is building the metaverse, will also be subject to the efficiency drive and the company is looking to develop more revenue streams. For instance, it announced a new paid subscription program called Meta Verified just last month. Lots of changes, but Investors seem to be liking what Meta's doing. The company's share price is up 45% so far this Damn, year. That's the, like, this AI thing terrifies me. We've talked about this before, right? But I was hoping, you know, given how that Metaverse stuff hadn't really been cracking for them, that they would then be going into something else that wouldn't work and maybe the bright side would be Facebook would go out of business. I understand that some of you guys probably work for Facebook. Maybe some of you got stock. This will cause you economic downturn, but everybody got to do their part for society. I, for example, pay a ridiculous amount in taxes. That's what I do. You know what I mean? Some of y'all was just going to have to get a package and rough it for a little while for the greater good, for the greater good. That's all I'm saying. Like Facebook is a net negative to this universe, I believe. And I had me thinking, oh, damn, they going to get into this crazy stuff and that ain't going to work either. And then maybe we have a chance. Nope, 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 nope. Apparently the AI that is going to destroy us all is making the share price go up. It's a problem, guys. It's a problem. I don't even want to talk about this no more. What's the next one? All right, this next story is from uh, Russian Education. Hi, I'm Elise Morton, and I recently wrote an article for Insider about how the Russian government is attempting to shore up support for its aggression in Ukraine among the next generation, and namely about a special patriotic curriculum that's been rolled out in schools across the country, complete with Kremlin-approved presentations and even very detailed full lesson scripts for teachers. Now, the stated aim of the lessons is to, and I quote, strengthen traditional Russian spiritual and moral values. And the themes range from Father's Day to national unity. But it becomes very apparent when looking at the materials, and particularly for older children, say from age 11, that these lessons are meant to underpin Russia's invasion of Ukraine. What's kind of fascinating is that most references to Ukraine were actually edited out before the lessons fully got going after some resistance from teachers. But the war is still very present in the materials. For example, a scripted introductory speech for one lesson was basically a eulogy to Russia's totally illegal annexation of Ukrainian territory, and a lesson allegedly about Russia's World War II veterans seamlessly shifts to praising those currently fighting for Russia in Ukraine. There are two things, though, that are particularly striking and frankly quite disturbing. And the first is that this is not theoretical or purely historical content as some of the lessons prompt children to imagine themselves fighting in a war for Russia. Again, to quote from a lesson script, you can't become a patriot if you only declare slogans. And truly patriotic people are ready to defend their motherland with weapons in hand. The second thing is that the program is also being delivered to children in some areas of occupied Ukraine as part of Moscow's push to replace the language and culture there with its own. It's important to say that there's been a level of boycott and even sabotage of the program among teachers and parents, which is no mean feat in a place where discrediting the so-called special military operation in Ukraine can land you in jail. But speaking to teachers in Russia, many people are still very worried about how this is going to shape the minds of particularly younger children who maybe aren't accessing outside information on the internet. 
Since then, we've also seen reports that some schools have been told to buy assault rifles and fake grenades to be used in basic military training courses. So, yeah, it doesn't look like this theme is going away anytime soon for Russian hey, children. Look, man, I've been making the point for a very long time about education, as we've discussed it, like in the American context that people don't understand is that they don't teach history to teach history. They teach history to make you feel good about the country you live in. Right. Like that's that's a major point of it. And by the way, I don't think that that is on its face a terrible thing. Right. Like the idea of generating a measure of pride and where people are from and them understand. Like I get that part. Right. Like every time people are like, man, they need to teach this in schools. That's not really what those schools are for. You know, that's not really it. But that's that's the game on a lot of that is is the intention is to shape the ways that people view the place they live in and the role the place they live in has in a larger world and to ascribe a measure of nobility to it. So when I'm hearing that other stuff, uh, all that stuff that's going on with Russia right now, like it's a, I'm hearing most of that and that I hear it's a slightly extreme, I mean, basically a, an extreme example of what is not terribly different from what goes on literally everywhere else in the world. Until you got to the end where they got the kid, like they bringing in assault rifles and grenades? What? We wouldn't even do that. And we bout these guns, dog. We wouldn't even do that. Let me tell you one thing that works out very well for us as a United States people. We don't really got no beef with nobody that like borders us. We always got to get on our horse and go fight a war in somebody else's house. Like, our neighborhood, we good with that. I don't know if it's just because we got them in check, we deboarded or whatever it is, right? But when we want to go fight a war, we got to go somewhere. Like, for real. They be fighting them wars right there. Right there at the crib, right? It's a car ride. You can take the bus. So they out here with their assault, like, assault rifles and grenades. Grenades. That's how you know America's spoiled. We like grenades. Y'all ain't got no drones? <laughs> Like, like y'all be shooting people y'all selves? <laughs> the ghetto. All right, and this last story is from Travel. I'm Suzanne Rowan Kelleher, a staff writer at Forbes. I just wrote a story about how human passengers could be traveling on small self-flying planes by the year 2030 and potentially on larger autonomous jets by the 2040s. Right now, FAA regulations do not allow pilotless planes in civil airspace, but the agency is preparing for the change. Now, the first thing to know is that small autonomous aircraft already exist. Manufacturers like Boeing and Airbus and Honeywell, they all have divisions dedicated to autonomous technology and are developing these kinds of planes. So how might this roll out? It will start with small cargo planes, like those made by a California startup called X-Wing. For the past few years, X-Wing has been running automated test missions using modified Cessnas. For now, there's a safety pilot on board who doesn't do anything, while a human controller on the ground oversees the flight on a computer screen. Once the technology is certified by the FAA, X-Wing plans for these planes to carry cargo by late 2025 and human passengers by the end of this decade. Another company, Honeywell, is best known for making the autopilot systems for many kinds of aircraft. Right now, Honeywell is working with multiple clients to develop autonomous planes. At least one prototype does not even have a cockpit. As you can imagine, 
Pilots are not on board with any of this. I spoke with Dennis Tager, a pilot for 35 years and the spokesperson for American Airlines' pilot union, which represents 15,000 members. Pilots believe that they are the folks keeping passengers safe in the skies. Tager told me that the push toward autonomous planes is all about the money. And on one hand, it's hard to argue with him. One industry report estimated that autonomous planes could save airlines more than $35 billion per year. In the near term, the greatest challenge for self-flying planes may be getting the public to accept them. One thing I am certain of, this is an ongoing story that I will be watching. This is Suzanne Kelleher for Forbes. Yo, we got to boycott this. Like, I like self-flying plane. I don't really be, you know, liking to quote people like this, but no, sir. Not me. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. No, no, no. I just I just keep saying no over and over again. You know how mad I'd be if I was a pilot and they was like, yeah, we don't need y'all no more? Like, what job am I supposed to get with this? After, like, I can't fly planes no more. What am I supposed to do, become a professional gamer? Right? I'm going to be the greatest Star Fox player of all time? Like, what, what in the world am I supposed to do? Ah, Parker, I just dated myself. You've never heard of Star Fox. I understand. He's going to be the pilot, going to be the king of Galaga. You ever heard of Galaga? Oh, oh, well. 98, 98. Yeah, I mean, I just understand the 98 part, but, you know, I thought somebody would have taught you the classics, but apparently not. My dad was 75. I got to miss out on the range of life. There we go. He didn't even know about Gallagher himself. Not yeah. even like I, 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 okay. I understand yeah, this a little bit different now. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. But I'm just saying, like, if I'm a pilot, this does not feel like a transferable skill. I'm not sure what I'm gonna turn it into. Or you mess around and go from that to like, can you imagine how disappointed it would be to go from being a pilot to being a truck driver? You gotta, you gotta go get your CDL. You've been used to them autopilot players and you just been kind of sitting there and hanging out with the flight attendant and everything else. And now here you are, three o'clock in the morning, getting some caffeine pills at the gas station, just trying to make it to sunrise. Whew, whew. Well, guess life ain't fair. But hey, man, they not trying to use none of this technology to actually help any of us. They just out here trying to save money. And that's terrifying. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace. All right. The voicemail topic for this week is tell us the story of the time that your kid pulled up on you. Yeah, we had to flip it up, man. We got all the stories y'all got about trying your pops. But then it dawned on us. We getting old now. So them little jokers done tried y'all. And uh, I'll also say for further listeners going forward, uh, please... Not all your stories need to be told. Well, shall we say? <laughs> right. Oh gosh, I want to hear. I want to hear the lost tapes. I've never heard. All I ever hear are the ones that come on here. Yeah, I'll I'll play you a lost tape after we're done taping, <laughs> but absolutely not making it on the show. All right, uh, this first one's from Dan. Hey, Bo, this is Dan uh, calling about from uh, my son was younger. I was a kid that was often in trouble, uh, and I had punishment. I guess you'd say of the. Uh, Capital kind, um, belts were a common place when I was young. But my kid was always a good kid. Uh, he's always a big kid. And when he was around 10 years old, we were coming back from a funeral, his mother and I. 
and uh, we stopped to pick up his grandparents and told him we were going grocery shopping, and he was not about that. And he tried to stay with his grandparents. We told him no, and as he walked through the door, he bumped my shoulder in a purpose way. And so uh, we didn't say anything. We got home. As we went home and I was changing clothes, I told him, come on upstairs. And as I talked to him about how he's not going to disrespect me or his mother, I took the belt from my waist. He looked at me, his eyes get big, and all of a sudden he drops to his knees, clasped his hands together and says, mercy, Dad, mercy. And I had never punished him before, and it kind of took me by surprise because I was so used to uh, spanking when I was a kid. And I thought, well, we've come too far for that now. And maybe came two or three little flats to him, and uh, it hurt his feelings, it hurt his pride, and I never had to do it again, but... I was taken aback that he was so taken aback by the threat of a bill. Yo, I'm still blown away that he hit you with the shoulder at 10 years old. Like, you don't learn that level of passive aggression until much older. He hit you with the boop. What? I applaud, hey, I applaud him for letting that get back to the house. All right, this next one is from uh, Fort Worth, Texas. appreciate that last part but i want to get this straight the little homie knew the grades was bad and called the cops in advance next level thinking right there yo he, he needed an escort he need a ringside manager he need to show up with jimmy hart just to make sure somebody got his back wow wow son it would just be easier for you to hit these books or may i suggest you start cheating go get some better glasses you know what i'm saying all right, this last one is uh, Torrance from South Louisiana. Hey, Bo, this is Torrance. I'm in South Louisiana, and uh, we wanted to talk about the, the time my son almost decided to try me. Uh, we come from an athletic military family, but everyone in my family, my brothers and I, we've all graduated high school well under 200 pounds. 
um, when my son just turned 16, and he's six foot tall, he's 241, so he's a big one. Uh, I was away doing military service. I come home, and my son's playing video games, ignoring my wife. Um, so I come home, and she tells me. So I bust into his room, and I'm yelling, and he stands up, and we're eye to eye. And, and for a brief second, I have a, a moment of doubt. But he stood down, and later he said he saw crazy in my eyes, so he decided just to keep moving. Well, I don't know if it was crazy or a little bit of fear. But thank goodness that he's a good kid overall because um, if I ever decide to take it there, that would be tough. Have a good one. Love the show. <laughs> Look, that boy looked up and understood. He might, like, you might lose, but he won't win. He looked up and saw the chances of victory were slim, slim, I tell you, slim. Hey, that, that's being the daddy. You just not going to lose that fight. <laughs> it's just, like I say, every daddy I know that's lost a fight to a son was a f boy. <laughs> every single one. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Parker Owen is handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Wayling Tan. Check out her story at businessinsider.com on Meta's push for more AI products. Thanks to Elise Morton. Check out her story at Business Insider about Russian school propaganda. And thanks to Suzanne Rowan Kelleher. Check out her story on self-flying planes at Forbes.com. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.